back to another exciting episode of Wrestling with the Future. I'm your host, Psychic Media Angelo, joined this week by Mike Times Three. I got Mike Kelleher, Baron Von Kelleher. How you doing, Mike? I'm great, Angelo. How are you? I'm wonderful. I've got Mike Armageddon Murphy. How you doing, Murph? I'm good, Angelo. How you doing? Brother, I am better than good. And my dear friend, all the way from deep in the heart of Florida, the actor, producer, writer, director, movie maker extraordinaire, Mike Messier. How you doing, Mikey? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Angelo, and the uh, Mike Brigade. And uh, it's going to be a great show with a great guest. It's going to be an amazing show with a wonderful guest. So let's do a little housekeeping, fellas. Wrestling the past week. Uh, do you even want to talk about it? I'll, I'll chip in. I mean, uh, go ahead, I, Mike. I, you know, it's as we called it last week. It's the empty arena uh, era for wrestling. We're seeing yeah. kind of um, AEW did a bunch of pre-tape stuff that'll take their weekly Wednesday night show through mid-May, I believe. Yeah. Probably the most interesting thing is that the state of Florida that I'm in uh, somehow flip-flopped their mind and is now allowing WWE to do live broadcasts from the Performance Center which uh, has political ramifications beyond wrestling because apparently it opens up the door for other wrestling, for UFC. Uh, We could see baseball. We could see other sports. Perhaps basketball could do their playoffs. So uh, I would probably be, the the way that I think, think that, you know, Vince McMahon and Linda McMahon's relationship with Donald Trump, the president, would kind of influence that, which in a way... Well... Depends on how you look at it. Might have. I want to go on record, Mike, sure, and tell everyone that I am on record as having said wrestling will cure us of the coronavirus. It's quite possible. I mean, I said that. I stand by it. Well, it's it's very interesting. And some people, for instance, I like going to movies quite a bit. I go to a movie three or four times a week. I haven't seen a movie since all these things happened because we're not allowed to. But there, there is some debate there is why is one thing allowed and not the other? That would be a whole other show that we don't have time for right now. It all depends on how much money you got. Yeah, it, it's, well, it's definitely a hot topic. Well, aren't they saying, and correct me if I've misunderstood this, aren't they saying that they'll just allow the events to be broadcast, not necessarily with fans, though? I'm not well, sure, hey, Mike. That's a real good point. Filmed, yes. Filmed, no fans. But the point yeah. is, Mike... Um, before that, other sports had shut down completely. The NBA wasn't doing no 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 fans uh, games. Uh, nope. You know yeah. what I mean? Good Hockey, point. baseball, all that stuff could have been doing stuff this whole time, especially the NBA and the NHL. Armageddon, the- what are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, from what I've seen from wrestling from WrestleMania up until now, um. Excuse me, I think I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I thought there was only you two matches out of WrestleMania that I actually liked. Uh, Charlotte Flair uh, versus um, Rhea Ripley. And uh, Edge versus uh, Randy Orton. Yeah. I thought they were the two best matches of the whole show. Uh, watching wrestlers come out to the ring, do their entrance, have their music and their lights, and then they start working a crowd that isn't there. I have a problem with that. Yeah. I like it. it. 
no sense. And then I, I don't. I, I don't at all, Mike. I really don't. But it, it's basically for me. It was like it was almost like back in my indie days, doing the curtain peak, watching an indie show. Exactly. Yeah. But Messier, the the point I was trying to make was that it's one thing to have basketball teams or baseball teams play in an empty arena versus having hundreds of people or more in, in larger theaters go into movie theaters all day, all week. That's that's the difference I'm I'm saying. Like like you know, like that's a whole lot safer, I believe, than than uh, allowing people to resume normal activities like going to movies and concerts. Well, it's interesting that you brought up the safety factor where it hadn't really been uh, heretofore mentioned. Um, That's a whole dynamic in and of itself. But just from the perspective of the sport and spectacle, do you think it's a good idea to go live uh, in an empty arena or empty venue just for the sake of having the event. I don't know if wrestling, it really does anything. Um, I mean, to be fair, any sport can be taped and shown whenever, but um, I just want to see sports. I, I don't really care if it's taped or live. Okay. If I jump in, guys, I think, I think the problem is, guys, that Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, they really have a problem with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez and the wrestling dirt sheets, yeah. uh, spreading information, getting leaks from wrestlers or whoever they get their leaks from. And yeah. if you ever listen to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, he speaks endlessly about their disdain for Dave Meltzer leaking information. So yeah. as, petty, as petty as it seems to logical people that that would cause them to do the shows live which might add a little bit more or a lot more risk to their talent uh that's vince mcmahon's mindset well um the whole speaking of sorts of events or events and vince mcmahon has no one to blame for that but himself ever since he pulled the curtain back away from him thank you no he has no one to blame for that but himself when he went from professional wrestling the sports entertainment. This is what you know, th- this is the end result of it, and he's got all the blame for himself. Now that's just my Callahan. opinion. Well, I was just going to say to Messier's point about dirt sheet and, and leaks getting out. It's my understanding that what they did for WrestleMania is they taped multiple endings to the matches. Oh wow! Yeah, and um, so. What they did is right before broadcast time, Vince picked which endings he wanted aired. And that way, nobody could tell. Like, if they were going to put out spoilers or whatever, yeah, it, it defeats it. So That's absolutely true. I would love to see the DVD Criterion collection of those unreleased WrestleMania 36 you. you know what, Mikey? I'm right with you, brother. Well, <laughs> listen, guys, we that. could talk about this all night long, but we've got a amazing guest tonight uh we we are going to do this is part one of a two-parter with a a young lady very very um outspoken young lady in fact who was married to one of the true icons and legends in wrestling we all remember the great chief wahoo mcdaniel karen mcdaniel is my guest karen are you here tonight i am here um Listening to your conversation, I don't see why 
there couldn't have been baseball and basketball without fans. I mean, I, I enjoyed the wrestling without fans. I think they did a hell of a job to pull it off. Uh, yeah, Karen, TV, given what I they really had did. to work with, you know? Yeah, yeah, between WrestleMania and um, uh, AEW. I mean, I, I, I really I thought they did a good job. They kept it going. I, I wish basketball had done the same, baseball, whatever. I think they Absolutely. Well, let us tell everybody why you're here tonight. Uh, Karen McDaniel, of course, was married to the great Chief Wahoo McDaniel. He was born Edward McDaniel in 1938. He is a legit Choctaw Chickasaw Native American, former pro football player uh, that played guard and linebacker. He was uh, a big guy, imposing figure of six foot, 250 pounds. His uh, school uh, alma mater was Oklahoma, Oakview. That is correct. That is correct. And um, um, go ahead, Karen. I'll, I'll give you a little background as far as his his football. Um, sure. He never was a bragger, and I was much much younger than him, and uh, I never found out that he held records and did this and did that. I'd hear other people ask him about it, and then I was just you know, soaking it all up, listening to it, because he was just such a phenomenally interesting man to start with. And uh, like I said, he never bragged about anything, but he he played for Midland High School. Um, his Actually, his baseball coach in high school was uh, George Bush Sr. And he remembers George Bush Jr. That's and George funny. Bush Jr.'s <laughs> sister on the field as he was playing and I have an autograph from George Bush Sr. when he was the vice president with the vice presidential seal that says to Wahoo McDaniel your coach parentheses um, baseball that is vice president George Bush and then the presidential seal so I'm pretty proud of that mm, um, that's pretty wild yeah but this, this a funny story you know he was such a great football player all around great football player in high school that right. everybody was coming to see him, and, and this coach came from uh, the Texas Aggies, you know, and he was coming out there to see Wahoo, and Wahoo's dad, he said, I really want your boy to come play for me, and Wahoo told his dad, Dad, I ain't going to no school, I ain't got no girls. Texas <laughs> <laughs> A&M didn't have any girls. Well, guess who that coach was, and guess where he went the very next year? You got to tell me. A man named Bear Bryant. And he Bear went to Alabama oh very next year. <laughs> he came to Midland High School to see my husband play, but Wahoo was not going to no school, didn't have no girl. <laughs> That's Karen, so our, our, our resident Wilkinson. Karen, our resident filmmaker, Mike Messier, has got a question for you. Go ahead, Mike. Sure. Sure, Hi, go Karen. ahead, Mike. Hi, Karen. Hey. How are you? You know, I actually Good. I, I met Wahoo a couple of times, and I, I just wanted to ask, when did you first start your relationship and, and going to shows with Wahoo? Because that would lead me to a follow-up question. Um, I um, had moved from where I'm from, right near Tallahassee, Florida, on the Georgia line up to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, where my cousins lived. And I worked in a bar there. And um, uh, my girlfriend had moved up there. And the wrestlers did their TV every week and at um, WRAL TV, they did their interviews and they did uh, they wrestled at Dorton Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina. And my girlfriend had met another wrestler by the name of Rick Flair, and they were dating. She had moved from 
the little town near Tallahassee up there with me, and they introduced me to Wahoo. About three or four years later, um, I was 24, and he was mid-40s. And I said, I don't want to meet a wrestler. Are you kidding me? I don't want to. And as soon as I met him, he was the most, I mean, he had me just like that. He was so interesting, and he could talk. I was an adopted child of older parents, and I don't know, maybe I could carry on a conversation. I didn't act like your average 24-year-old. But that's kind of right. how it got started. Well, well Karen, you know, one of the things that the we day I did, met him, I, and we never, we never were apart hardly after that. I mean, it was just like it was. We were like glue. You know, Karen. One of the things we did when when our friend Barb Goodish was here, talking about yes. uh, her her husband Frank Goodish, Bruiser Brody. One of the things yes. we did was we talked about the man. So we're we're. Yes. We're going to talk very little, actually, about wrestling tonight. Um, There might be one or two, you know, conversations or questions about matches, whatever. But we want to know about Ed McDaniel, the guy who became Wahoo. Do you know how he got the name Wahoo? His dad was Wahoo. I mean, that was his name. His dad was also called Wahoo. Um... That was just his name. Um, the um, the thing about him was, and I, and I did listen to Barbara's, um, and she did talk about how, how Brody, when he came home, he became Frank. What you saw with Wahoo McDaniel was what you got. <laughs> right. That was him. That was so him. So that was just, him 24-7. That was him 24-7. He, he, that was just him. Um, the one thing about him, the man, which, and he and I talked about this a lot, and, and I, I heard an interview with Flair and um, Steve Austin. I listened to it over the weekend and or last night or whenever. Um, and most of the guys don't have anything else but wrestling, you know? Yeah. It, wrestling was his business. He went to business. It was a job, just like anybody else goes to a job. And when he got off, he didn't want to talk about it. He was going to play golf. Or he was right. Going to I mean, it was his business, it was his job, and that was what it was. Karen, we have a special guest that's just joined us. Oh, my God. Okay. He is a former American gladiator. Oh, my God. He's a former WWF superstar. Okay. You might know him as Rico. He is our friend Rico Costantino. Rico, we've got Chief Wahoo McDaniel's wife, Karen, on with us. Oh my gosh. Hi, Rico. Hi, hey. it's an honor. It's an honor Thank to hear you. you. Thank oh you very my much. Gosh. It's an I, honor to be here. Oh my gosh. To be I, asked to do this. I I am at a loss. I, I I've been caught I just wanted to call Angelo to see how he was doing. And yeah. uh I, I I didn't check the web or anything. I didn't know you were doing a show. Oh. So yeah. That's okay. That's what surprises are for, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's wow. Right. That's right. Uh, my gosh. I, I just well, hope Rico, I- welcome to the conversation, brother. We're discussing <clears throat> Wahoo McDaniel tonight, bro. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, was- a great. An icon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, all the way around. And, and let me say this, too. A regular person. Well, he might have done all of that, but he was a regular person. You know, and he came and, from and, a very good family, uh, a good upbringing. 
good parents. He hunted. He fished. They did all those things, you know. See, so and that's what makes him, may I say, that's what makes him great on the professional side because he was balanced and solid and a rock foundation on the personal side. Yeah. That's what made him such yeah. a rock and such an icon to all of us in, 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 absolutely. in this world. So I, I'm Thank just saying you. that coming from me. Yeah, and Rico, yeah. that, that kind of ties into what, what Karen was talking about. You know, when when Wahoo came home, he was Wahoo 24-7. That was just him. And a lot mm -hmm. of guys could get away with that, just being who they are. But you know what it was like to be Rico the performer and then have to come home and be Rico the dad, the husband, yeah. and all that. So, Karen... Um, yes. Because Wahoo pretty much was, you know, what you saw was what you got. Did that create in itself any kind of at-home um, interpersonal dynamics that were tough to get around? Or did you instinctively... Um, Go ahead. As, a, as I said, I was raised by older parents. So he seemed much older to me, and I did respect his more maturity i was 20 something he was 40 something he'd been around the block honey i was number five you know <laughs> that's yeah. what i tell everybody i was number five he had had four wives before me so you know I, I don't know i just i admired him i liked what he did i liked the fact that he was real straight up with anything and anybody and me too yeah and when we should I tell people his mother his mother oh my gosh his personality is totally his mom his dad really? he looked like his dad Indian, very, but his dad was shorter and quiet and didn't say much. And his mother was a, excuse me, but a badass. And <laughs> she said what she thought and she meant what she said. And that was just the way it was. But when she first met me, she said, Oh my goodness, Karen, you're so loving. And he's not. And what she meant by that is he wasn't like a cuddly, huggy. I used to check, my mother said it was. I would chase him out in the car to kiss him by, you know, he just, he just wasn't that way. So it was, yeah. it was that kind of, uh, you know, you know, cause I was used to that, I suppose, but, um, yeah. but I just admired him. I don't know how to say it any other way. I mean, as time went on, I, I learned to speak my piece and he told me, he said, I'm going to make you tough. I'm going to make you tough. So when I'm done, now, you can take Karen, care of We should point so, out. And you know what? I can take care of myself and everybody else too. Uh, and, and Karen, we should point out that Wahoo was married five times to four different women, uh, and he has two children. I believe two grown children. Is that the is he, that he the, the situation? He has two daughters from his second marriage. He got married in college one time for a brief time, and then he got married. And I think she was from Dallas, and he has two daughters. And we don't really communicate. They, I was close to their age, and I think that just didn't set for a. Yeah, you know, a good situation to start with, and yeah. uh, and then he was married to a lady named Dana, who was a beautiful, dark-haired beauty, and he married her twice. Now, wow. one funny story. I'm gonna tell you a funny story. Sure. Okay. All right. He was in Minneapolis. Flair was a rookie, so he said Flair would call him all the time. He'd have him a new name. He wanted to be Rickus Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes' cousin, and. Wahoo said, I'd tell him, just use your own name. And Flair said, I'll never make you money with that name. 
<laughs> right. Funny. But of course it was Slayer, not Fleer. His name is Fleer, but Wallace said, just be yeah. Rick Slayer. You're, he said, I'll never make you money with that name. Anyway, That's Wahoo, funny. this woman, he, he loved this woman. I mean, I really think he truly loved this woman. And he called Flair, you know, back then you didn't have cell phones and all that and Wi-Fi. He said, I can't get a hold of my wife. And he said, he, Flair called him back and said, Wahoo, I don't know how to tell you this, but there isn't anything in that apartment. So she had packed up and left him one time. He said it took him seven months to find her to get a divorce. And then a few years oh later, she came back. he was doing well at Charlotte. And he remarried her. He truly loved that woman. That's he crazy. Really she, she died sadly long before he did, um, I think, from breast cancer. And he was oh. very, very close to her daughter named Tracy. And Tracy went by the last name of McDaniel and uh, right. went to high school in Charlotte. But... Um, so then came along me, you know, so I was, no, yeah. hey, I lasted the longest 21 years. <laughs> Karen, we have a, a question for you from Mike Armageddon Murphy. Okay. Hey, Karen. Uh, well, not, not so much a question, but a couple facts that I had dug up okay. and looked to, uh, the, looking into the man, uh, known as chief Wahoo McDaniels. Um, well, and you were right. He had uh, two daughters, a uh, daughter Nikki and Cindy. Huh? Uh, and let's see. I believe where the name Wahoo came from was when he was in college playing college ball. I think he had a he held a record of he sacked. He had like five tackles in one game, and the I, announcer I'm, I'm just the game part the crowd that would go would woo and the announcer would be like well yeah he got sacked again and i'll tell you by who and the crowd went wahoo <laughs> that's that supposedly where came, the name came from you know also, what mike i actually heard that story before also Angelo, well, i was having a lot of trouble hearing what he said i was only getting pieces of words oh okay he basically um was telling everyone where the name Wahoo came from. It was from a college football coach. Or announcer. I, announcer. I'm sorry. I, I only got a few pieces of words. I'm so sorry. I don't know why. Oh, okay. Okay. So also, this Saturday will be the anniversary of the passing of Wahoo McDaniels. Did you hear that, Karen? No, uh, I did not. I'm so sorry. This, this Saturday will be the anniversary of uh, Wahoo's passing. I think we're having connection problems. Uh, have, yeah. have, yeah. we, have we lost Karen? I think she's having a hard time hearing you. Yeah, oh. I am. I, I, I couldn't hear hardly any of that. I've heard anything prior. Angelo, fire off again. Yeah. Okay, can you hear us now, Karen? Yes, yes, I can. Okay, okay. Yeah, basically what happened was uh, uh, Mike Murphy, Armageddon, was, uh -huh. um, was relating the story of how a football announcer uh -huh. came, uh, came up with the name Wahoo for Wahoo McDaniel. That's incorrect. Okay. Okay, because I actually had heard that story Wahoo. before. And his uncle was also called Uncle Wahoo. 
And he, and he uh, Oahu and his dad was called Wahoo. And the other thing Mike was talking about is that this Saturday will mark the anniversary of Wahoo's passing. Of Wahoo's what? Of his passing. Uh, April 18th, 02. Right. Yes, it will. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. So it's, it's fortuitous that we have you. Rico, you have questions? Oh, yeah. No, no, I just wanted to say Armageddon. You're batting 500. Rico, it's also an honor to, uh, to me to speak with you. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a former indie worker. Uh, uh, New Angelo, I work for Angelo. Eh. Uh, <laughs> Everybody worked for me, let's be honest. One time, uh, <laughs> Uh, I one one thing I I never got to see Wahoo work in person. Uh, I I certainly saw him on uh, TV. Uh, the one one of the greatest matches I saw was when he wrestled against uh, Magnum TA for the U.S. title, which I believe Wahoo held that five times. Uh, five time United yes, States champion. But it well, said he held that. Quite a while. Yeah. It said that, and I, I never experienced it, I don't know if I'd want to, that Wahoo had, out of any wrestler in the business, had the hardest chops in the business. Bar none. We know that to be factual. Okay, well, I'm going to say, since I never got the opportunity to wrestle Wahoo, uh, Ric Flair could be number two. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he, he learned from Wahoo. I'll tell you what, that man could chop. Karen, I've got a question yeah. for you. The, got a question for the, you, well, Karen. They call it they call it Flair's chop, so they were really Wahoo's chops. He's yeah. one that he lit he, him up. And and let me tell you something about him. And when I say it was his business, it was his business. If you didn't sell, he'd make you sell. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, yeah. He'd light you up till you did. I mean, he he, yeah. he was not going to look like a fool. Yes. Uh, Karen, I've yeah. got a question for you. Can I go back real quick, Angelo? Sure. I'm, I'm going to come. I'm going to cut back a little bit. And you had a good point. Wahoo was Wahoo because Wahoo is Wahoo. That's right. Agreed? Everybody? Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. By the time I came up, 2000, 2001, you didn't get to be who you were. Vince told you who you were. And for the other gentlemen in the room who I have not had the pleasure to meet or speak with, Angelo knows, along with Kenny Bolin, Vince gave me two characters that were exact opposite of who I am in life. Uh The exact opposite. Not yeah. saying anything bad about any of, of those lifestyles, which I adapted and Vince said, do this or you're gone. And I did it. And I must have did it well because you did people, something right, Rico, because they're still talking about it today. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying is Wahoo got to be Wahoo. Rico didn't get to be Rico. And I'm not saying that would have prolonged or shortened my career, but I was at the behest of Vince McMahon. And I am glad to say that, you know, or to say that um, Wahoo got to be Wahoo. Like it was Wahoo at home, yeah. Wahoo on the yeah. road. Flair yeah. got to be Flair 
on the yes. road. And I've even heard his ESPN 3030. Even though he was flair at home, it wasn't a good flair, but he was flair. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Was. So, uh, with that being said, you know, I had to be Rico, the stylist. I had to be Rico, mm -hmm. um, plagiarizing Adrian, exotic Adrian Street. So, uh -huh. times were different back when Wahoo was yeah. Wahoo. Yeah. And like it, like 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 Mrs. McDaniel said, if you didn't sell, they were going to make you sell. Last <laughs> night you made you sell. Oh, yeah. All yeah. of them. If you did not, uh, you know, Nick, uh, I'm sorry. If you didn't sell for the heavyweight yeah. champion or the champion, he'd make you sell or break you. Karen, well, I have a question oh, for you. Do you do you all do you all know why he never was the Real heavyweight champion. Love to hear you it. You know why Love to he hear it. never yeah. was. Why is that, Karen? Because they could they couldn't control him. Right. He's why I will tell you to kiss his butt and and I quit and move on down the road. Well, he Karen, I have back. a question for you uh, along those lines. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. that. I know that all too well. Mm -hmm. uh, Wahoo did work for the WWF back in the sixties. He worked for Vince's dad. He never worked yeah, for Vince sure did. as the boss. And he worked there uh, for quite a while. Um, ran a program for a short cup of coffee with uh, another Native American performer who really wasn't Native American, Chief Jay Strongbow. Oh, yeah. Can you tell me what Wahoo's thoughts were on Chief being Italian and not Native American? What did Wahoo think did, of that? What well, did he? Yeah, one of the questions that we got was uh, from Benny Scala in uh, in Florida. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It says, "I always wondered why Wahoo did not come back to the WWF to feud against T to cheat." To let me back up. I wondered why Wahoo did not come back to the WWF to feud against or team with Chief J. Strong, Strongbow. Was Wahoo I, ever I approached that, to come I back? That he, I don't know that he was ever asked. That might have been a little bit before my time. Um, I mean, I know that I, the first 10 years of our marriage, we moved eight times because he would either get fired or quit. <laughs> and, oh. and I got a feeling that he would have never gotten along with Vince. Although I have a, a Halliburton sitting over here in my closet that has Vince's phone number on a piece of paper in Wahoo's handwriting. Well, yeah. I don't know whether he planned to call him at some time or whatever, but it's in Wahoo's handwriting and it's Vince's phone number. It says Vince McMahon and the phone number. I, I mean, I've never called it to see if it was the right number or not. I'm sure. But I don't much think he... I mean, he he was known for turning promoters' desk over and and scaring them to death. So I mean, yeah. and and it was really about his money. And I'm and I'll tell you this: I know this part of it because he would take me with him to like Spartanburg. He loved the Crockett's. Don't get me wrong, but he didn't trust any promoters. <laughs> and you know, they were Smart paid man. off of what the money they brought in. And while yeah. he would walk out there and he'd look at the crowd and he could just about tell you how many people were sitting in those bleachers. Sure. And how many people were sitting ringside? He knew what to expect. He, I told you, it was his business. 
You know, yeah. pomp and circumstance, okay, but that's my business and that's my money. And he'd have me standing in Spartanburg, standing outside like an idiot, clicking them off as they came in. That's yeah. a true story. It was Spartanburg or Greenville, actually with a clicker to make sure that that he got yeah. paid the right amount of money. Mike Messier, got, question for Karen. Yes. Yeah. Hi, Karen. You know, I was I was trying hey. to get the a read on the timeline because, you know, I think I might have actually met you uh, uh, quite some time ago, maybe when uh, you were with Wahoo. And I'll tell you the story. Basically, um, I had seen Wahoo McDaniel in 1991 at the first independent wrestling show I had been to. I had been to many right. WWF and NWA shows, but I was a, a mm-hmm. teenager. And me and my friends made about a four-hour road trip to see Wahoo McDaniel main event, an okay. independent show. I think his opponent was called uh, Agent Orange, and it was some, for some type of Virginia heavyweight championship, and it was a strap match. And Agent Orange, before the match, said, I'll either wrestle Wahoo in a title match or in a strap match, but not both. And, and he let the fans decide, and the fans wanted to see the Indian strap match. Strap so match, we, yeah. So we all got to see uh, Wahoo uh, take the strap and whip this guy up in the middle of the high school gym. And then about three years later, I was in North Carolina and I started going to a group. Um, I did a ring announcing gig myself as a college student uh, for Ken Spence. And it was a pro, pro wrestling group out of uh, North Carolina. And the second show I went to, Wahoo was there once again in the main event. And he was at a table selling wrestling masks. And I remember for only $5, I bought a a green wrestling mask from Wahoo. And I'm not, to be honest, I I was pretty sure that was you with him. But when you started telling the timeline, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, if that was you with him that night or not. I had chill babies then. It may not have been. I made the wrestling matches. I mean, I made a lot of those wrestling masks for him to sell. Right, but um, I could probably look at the one you have and tell you if I was the one who made it because you couldn't order them online and stuff back then. But nice Emily, mask. who was who was uh, thanks Emily, who was um, you know, always a wrestling fan. She drove him to a lot of those things back in those days. She and um, Patsy, Patsy and Emily, they always would take him. I mean, I had kids at home, and I was you know pretty. I was a nurse and a cocktail waitress and a. You know, we didn't have all the money that he had made in the 70s and the 80s. So things were a little different. If he went to those uh, indie events, the, you know, he got his money in his boot before he ever walked out there. Well, this was you know, um, <laughs> this was about August or September of 1994. And I just got to say, okay. uh, to be able to go to Wahoo McDaniel and, and buy a $5 <laughs> green wrestling mask and to meet the guy for just a few minutes and then to see him wrestle in the main event was certainly a treat. And uh, the fans, and this was this was during a time in late 94 when wrestling wasn't as popular as it was before or after, but the fans, right. about 400 fans in that place were just excited to see Wahoo. And I think All the they bar- wanted to do is see him. He just yeah. had that charisma. I'm telling you, it was nothing, it was no pomp and circumstance. It wasn't a presentation. It was just yeah. him, and he would sit down and talk to you, just like you know you were. It, you know, it didn't matter to him, but but he had a he did have a very very hot. He was very hot tempered. Certain things would make him mad, and it didn't matter who you were. You know, um, but on the average, he was a great 
kind person. He would do more for the boys. He'd get fired over somebody not treating one of the boys right and getting his money. You know? Yeah. <laughs> my, Karen, my oldest son. Can you give us a. Karen, can you give us a heads up into um, what it was like to be on the road with Wahoo? Uh, I know you've got, you and I have talked privately, and you've yeah. got uh, a treasure trove full of stories, and everyone wants to hear those stories. So oh, have yeah. at it, kid. Okay. Well, the, back in the days, like Crockett Promotions and all, the wives didn't go to the matches. That was, you know, they wanted to present them as single guys. The wives didn't go to the matches. They all lived in Charlotte. The wives were in Charlotte. Most of the girlfriends were in Raleigh because that's where they were once a week, you know. Um, so <laughs> that didn't really happen a lot. Um, there were times, you know, when he'd take me because I'd be clicking off numbers or something like that. And and the, and Rick Flair's wife and I who had grown up together. I mean, we weren't allowed to go to the to the mall to eat at Morrison's cafeteria together and get caught. If we did, they'd get fined. If they were late past seven thirty arriving at the matches, they would get fined. Um, you know, there were the things were a whole. I'm quite sure a whole lot different. It wasn't until Felicia, and she'd be a great one for you to have on your show, by the way, Big Mama that was married to Jimmy Valiant, and they're close friends. Oh, sure. Uh, even though they're no longer married. Um, it wasn't until she came into the picture, and then also um, Precious, Jimmy Garvin's wife, that sure. wives be- became, you know, involved. Or you, you, The only time we got to go to the matches back in those days was uh, Thanksgiving Day, which was the biggest day in wrestling, and Christmas yeah. Day night, which is the second biggest day in wrestling. Yeah. Which nobody even understands that. But that was the biggest two days in wrestling. Starcade. We would fly back from Texas on Christmas morning, and he'd wrestle in uh, uh, Greensboro or Charlotte on Christmas Day night. You know. Yeah. Whatever it happened to be. Um, Karen, were you there the day? night? That uh, that Wahoo wrestled at Super Clash Three. I'm not sure. What when what that when was that, uh, that that was what they called the bloodbath at Super Clash. December of '88 in Chicago for the AWA first pay per view that AWA no. did. He wrestled Manny Fernandez in a bloodbath. I did not see that. I actually was in Charlotte. That that, that was in '88. Yeah, December yeah. of '88. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I just had Zach. So, Ooh. no, I was not there. December, I, Zach was born September of 88. So, no, I was not there. How many kids did I you and Wahoo there. have together, Karen? We, we have three children. They're, um, uh, Nolan, Nolan, Zach was born in 88, Nolan in 92. And, uh, Nolan was very, very sick. He was in a NICU for 11 months. Uh, he lives here with me now. And, um, uh, uh he has some disabilities, but you know, Wahoo never. He took him to the golf course, oxygen and all, wow. oxygen tank and all. You know, I mean, he, he and the boy can play golf like you can't believe. He works at Goodwill, and um, of course, he's not working right now, but he um, he's done really well. And then we had Storm, and Storm was our youngest child, and he was a dolphin tour guide. And this is kind of hard for me to get out, but I'll get it out. Um, in 2015, he was almost 18. He um. He was a dolphin tour guide leading 10 jet, jet skis out in a boat, just took a left turn like I can beat that line of jet skis and probably never saw him and hit him and killed him. 
he oh was uh, oh, I know he was almost eighteen. He was six three two thirty, and he'd go to the gym. This is so funny. We'd go to the gym together, Storm and I. And he said, "Mom, they keep telling me I look like this guy named Randy Orton. Who's Randy Orton?" <laughs> That's <laughs> said, if funny. Keep, if I keep working out, I have a body like Randy Orton. Well, he would. He'd have a body like Randy Orton with a butt. Randy's kind of a back he, he with a, a crack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. a, yeah, yeah, that's it. He, he had a great, he had a Randy Orton body. I mean, he, he absolutely <laughs> had that body. And now Zach was built more exactly like Wahoo with the biggest thighs and, and, and still. And, you know, he started, he trained with um, Dory and he loved Dory, Dory. So he loved Dory to death. And, um, Really didn't get along with Dory's wife very well. I don't think a lot of people ever have. And yeah. he just came home and he said, Mama, I don't know. I, you know, he just kind of got really turned off by the certain things that happened. And he has his 100-ton license and he's a parasail captain and, you know, builds fences in the wintertime. He seems to be pretty happy. He's got two children and, yeah. and seems to be doing pretty well. So, you know. I can um, identify with the Dory story. Yeah, okay, I'm sure most people can. Well, Karen, you you've probably got you've probably got, you know, a dozen or so stories from the road. Um, have you ever had run-ins with with uh ring for lack of a better term, ring groupies or ring rats that maybe oh, you know had that. Uh, Yeah, you've heard that story Cornette's already talked about it on uh, his show about me shooting a gun and bless his well, heart. Well, let's he, Let's smarten smarten (laughs) everybody up, Karen. Let let them know what we're talking about. Okay. All right. Uh, Cornette did talk about, they they asked him something about the wives, and he described me as the sweetest woman in the world, but very feisty or something like that. And that Wahoo had not come home or done what he, and I had shot a gun at him over his head. Well, that was, that was kind of this nice version and for you know uh, of it but what actually and I, I don't mind telling you what actually had happened there were what we call ring rats or arena rats around everywhere they were all and that was probably one of the reasons the wives didn't get to go to the matches either but um you know it was a different time and um he hadn't come home and i got really worried about him because he would drink and they all were going to bennigan's in charlotte and so i pull up at bennigan's and i'm in his bronco and it's up high, and there's my black Eldorado with the, with the light gray top and the gray interior. And I whipped around, and I thought, my God, he's asleep in the car. He's passed out. All. Well, when I whipped around, to be perfectly honest with you, there was a blonde head in his lap. Oh, boy. <laughs> get me, boys? Yeah. Well, who you indeed? get me, boys? Yeah. You get me, boys? Okay. Yeah. Well, we, I we tried to run picture. over him with Wahoo's Bronco. Wow. He, he turned it. <laughs> he turned it on and he took off and he dropped the blonde off somewhere. And oh he came God. home and I was standing there with a the 357 and I said, You're not coming in this MF house. <laughs> and I fired the gun over his head. Wow. So I don't think you've ever seen the Indian move that fast or turn that white. <laughs> but he went, this is the cutest, this best part of the story though. Is he went to the Marriott. Now, you got to realize I'm 24 years old and beautiful. Yeah, I thought I was, you know. And how dare you? Here you are, 40-something, and I married you and put you on top of the world in my eyes. 
and you're in my El Dorado. <laughs> so wow. anyway, um, I wouldn't talk to him. I wouldn't speak to him. Well, Dusty was booking at that time. This was in the 80s. Dusty was the booker at that time, and Dusty was calling me. Karen, Karen, you got to talk to him. You got to talk to him. You got to talk to him. He's going crazy. He won't. He won't go to the matches. He won't. Go, he's not going to work. He's at the Marriott. He will, please talk to him. Please, please talk to him. Well, three days went by, and I got Dusty calling me every day. I finally said, "Okay, I'm gonna make a deal with you. I'll make a deal with you, Dusty. For the next two to three weeks, I will ride to every town with him." Dusty said, "Okay, just talk to him." So I went and talked to him, and I let him come home. And so I went, just me and him, rode to every town, and I sat with the arena rats. And I let them know if I ever saw her again, I would kill her. <laughs> so it was a loser leave town is what wow. it was. And I never, <laughs> I never well, saw her again. Now, I will I say, say she ended up in a different territory, married to a wrestler. Um, and she was a known arena rat. She is married to another wrestler, and she has little children now. I don't care about her, but I wouldn't hurt her children's feelings by mentioning her name or the wrestler's name that she married. That just wouldn't be right either, you know. And that was 40 years ago. Who cares? It's a great right. story. He was mine. He loved me. He stood by me. Great story. Then, so. Karen, can you, story can, can you fill yeah. everybody in? On the uh, the relationship that Wahoo had with Johnny and Greg Valentine. Oh, Greg Valentine loved Wahoo McDaniel like a daddy because he, he and his, you know, he, he and Johnny were like, oh my God, they'd kill each other. And Valentine would say when I first met him, because Valentine are pretty, pretty, he and I are pretty close. Um, he, he said, I got all these tapes. You got to come watch them. You got to come watch them of him and my dad. I mean, he totally respected Wahoo McDaniel. They totally, he totally loved Wahoo McDaniel. He truly did. And I love Valentine. He's one of my favorite people. He's quiet. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't really cause a lot of trouble. He doesn't say much. He's just Valentine. He's bold spoken, but he has always been the kindest person to me in of a lot of that business. I mean, there was a lot of great, Great talent in that Mid-Atlantic Territory during that Oh, time. my God, sure. Between Magnum, the rock and roll, God, Bobby Eaton, no better than Bobby Eaton. Oh, um, my God, sure. Oh. No, there was And, I mean, there was just so much talent there. Um, it, it's just hard to, it's hard to pinpoint anything or anybody that was better or bigger than anybody. They were all great. And, um yeah. Karen, did, no. did Wahoo yeah. smarten you up to the business when you met him? Did he say well, to you anything like, you know, this is what well, I do. See, this is you know, what you should look out for if, uh, you know, if anything comes mm-hmm. up or whatever the case may be. Did he ever kind of like give you the heads up? Well, as far as the smartening me up, uh, I had told you Rick Blair was married to my best friend for 28 years. And, um, so they, she had kind of smartened me up to start with. And, you know, I don't know. I don't, as far as what the business really was, I mean, I, I, I didn't ever question, uh, we didn't use the word fake. We used the word bogus. People would mm-hmm. come and ask you, ask him, is that real Wahoo? And I loved his answer. 
he would say, well, if it isn't, they haven't told me about it yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and he almost had a coronary, though, when, um, what was his name? Eddie uh, Mansfield? Mansfield? Eddie Mansfield. Eddie Mansfield. Yeah, I will never forget oh. that. We were in a hotel in Greensboro, North Carolina. I don't I don't know why we were in a hotel. I don't know why we weren't going to drive home. But he saw it, and it was a Sunday night. And I thought, he said, that's it. My business is over. We're done. I mean, he really, it really yeah. affected him that somebody go on and Oh, do that. my God. And yeah, I well, I got news for you. Eddie Mansfield yeah. put the kibosh on a lot. Rico. You've been in the business a long time. Uh, you've married in the business. Um, what was it like when when you got in? Did you have to smarten up your spouse to the business or smarten up your family to the business, Rico? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I had to because, you know, I had a young son. And, you know, at that time, my wife thought it was real. I was getting hurt. Well, getting hurt, but getting hurt. You know, there's two types of getting hurt, doing yeah. the job and then getting hurt. You know, yeah. um, I'm going to go back to where Bubba Dudley purposely hurt me and to where you're just doing doing your job and the, the stress on your body. And Miss McDaniel, um, just to let you know, I started when I was 38 and a half. You know, I debuted mm-hmm. on TV when I was 40. So I should have been past my prime. But I, Vince gave me a shot. I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how early Chief got into it. But you know, you had to take care of your body when I got into it. You know, because every he was weekend, pretty you know, young. He, he wrestled. He wrestled in the off season of football because okay. they didn't make much money. The biggest money he ever made in football, he worked for the New York Jets as their middle linebacker. He made eighteen thousand dollars for the year. Yeah, he yeah, was making I, I way more money wrestling than he was playing football. In that yeah, fact. and of course I, they didn't have the contract, so they didn't care if you, you know, did something else. Right, I have and some. He actually uh, quit playing after nine years of professional football because he was making more money wrestling. Yeah, I have some he old did, friends. He didn't get cut; he just quit. Yeah, I have some old friends that were old-time football players, Osmansky, and, and and a couple old ones that. Did the wrestling on the side, you know, Ernie Ladd and stuff like that. And they would yes. explain to me that they made more money doing wrestling than they did playing yeah. professional football. And then it oh, got, yeah. you know, and then it got, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, all of a sudden they became spoiled brats and they made all this money. Yeah. So, but as far mm-hmm. as smartening up, yeah, but um, when I was hurt, my wife at that time knew I was hurt because of certain things, the way I acted, right. you know, but, um, yeah. Uh, but my, my children, I didn't smarten up so quick, you know, right. uh, they went to school right. and told the stories, you know, especially with the flamboyant characters I had, yeah. you know, yeah. um, especially when I did divas undressed. I don't know if you've ever seen that miss McDaniels, but I know, Angelo and probably the other three have absolutely put on the bra and the showgirl outfit. My poor daughter at the time said, I'm not going to school. I'm not going to school. And then when she went to school, she was a, she was a hit. That's your dad. That's your dad. But yeah, you know, 
And that's hey, what Karen, that's that's something to watch, Karen. If you ever get a chance, <laughs> go on to YouTube and, and search in WWE Rico. Okay, I will. Yeah. I definitely will. Now, Baron Von Kelleher me. has a question. Okay. Um, well, I, I just wanted to say I, I saw I was trying to find the exact date, but uh I I um I saw Chief Wahoo McDaniel wrestle at the Norfolk Scope. I grew up in Virginia Beach, and uh, this was okay. probably 84, 80, it was, is it 85 or 86, I think. Um, uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you talked about Magnum TA, Rock and Roll Express. Mm. I think Baby Doll was there, actually. Um, Dusty Road, like Nikita, Ivan, like every mm. all the biggest stars were there, and it was, it was really were. cool. To be able to to say I got to see that was probably my first live wrestling match. And, and we didn't really we, no we didn't really realize their celebrity. They didn't realize their celebrity. Well, that's a real you know, good their, point. Their celebrity has really come about. They they didn't realize we didn't realize it. They didn't realize it. Sure. It well, that, that's a, that a good they point. They were celebrities. Yes. Karen did. Well, let me tell you one other thing that most sure. people don't know. When you came to Crockett Promotions, Crockett Promotions had the right to sell your pictures and stuff. But not Wahoo. When he came to any any territory, he sold his own stuff. So I was out. He had me out there selling a lot of times. Like when they did the Starcade the first time, the um, I shipped stuff on buses to every town they paid per reviewed. We made more money that night. But oh, we, sure. we made that deal with Crockett Promotions. All the other guys got paid for nothing, none of their stuff. Wow! And um, but that was Wahoo's deal when he went in there. I told you it was his business. It was Mark Messier has a question. To have been at four twenty one Briar Bend in Charlotte, North Carolina, on a Wednesday afternoon, because all the wives went to pick the checks up. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. And that, Karen, I wanted to. The wives picking checks up on Wednesday afternoon at the Crockett Promotions office at 421 Briar Bend. I don't know how I remember that so distinctly. I remember um, The Rock being in the car with his mom. Wow. You know, I mean, I remember Jimmy Valiant with their little son. You know, you you think about all of that now and you go, oh, wow. (laughs) Hey, Karen, I wanted to segue. Karen, and you're talking about Wahoo McDaniel and his, his merchandise. And uh, I do know that at yes. Starcade 83, Wahoo and I believe uh, Mark Youngblood had an excellent tag team match against Dick Slater and Cowboy Bob Orton Jr., uh, which was a great match on, on the uh, undercard of Starcade 83. Really set the pace for the rest of the night. Uh, but going back to, to kind of your own involvement, I think it's important to mention that I, I just saw a picture of you today online with a Tully Blanchard uh, robe that apparently, if I'm not mistaken, you created, you designed it, you you sewed it. it. Yeah. That's unbelievable because it was such well, a classic robe of Tully's that I've seen him wear on TV well, around 845. I made several of yeah. Flair's too. I made that white robe that Flair, you've seen Flair in the white robe with the purple butterflies. Right. Apparently... Nobody knows where it is, but I made that robe. There was a pink well, robe. That let me give you a that. heads up, Karen. I actually yeah. know where that robe is. Oh, the no. white robe. Where is it? I, I know where it is. It's in Atlanta, Georgia right now. 
and it's in the home of a collector named David Ellis. Great. I'm glad to know it's still in existence and not gone. Yep. Because I, know I made that, that road. And it should have Way my to name. throw in the lifeline, Angelo. But when we talk huh? about those those robes, Karen, that you designed for Rick and Tully, I mean, you can see the influence going right to our, our friend Rico. I mean, Rico had a lot of awesome outfits that were inspired in a way by some of your creations that Ric Flair would wear with the sequins, the butterflies, the uh, the color. Well, now, I, I, I give credit to Olivia Walker, who was um, Johnny Walker's wife. wife. Johnny Walker. She made most. Yes, she made most of Flair's robe, but I, and I told Angelo this. Wally knew I was young and I could do all that stuff, and he kept my butt busy. You can make a robe. Well, I could. I was having trouble finding the sequins and the rhinestones, and but I did make three of his robes: a black one that had silver and white feathers, the pink one, the hot pink one. I made it, and that white one with. And I made two of Tully's robes. The black one and the red one. Tully said the red one was stolen at the airlines one time. Mm. Doesn't know what happened yet. I made a robe for Rick Rude. He had it. It was the black robe with the red lips on the back. I made Manny Fernandez a chaps and all kind of stuff. And uh, I actually made John Studd his real clothes. Because back then, they didn't really have big and tall shops. You know, I made him dress pants and dress shirts, you know. Well, Well, Karen, you mentioned mentioned Manny Fernandez a couple times tonight. Manny was actually the guy that was supposed to call in and surprise you. But we ended up being surprised anyway because my very dear friend Rico Costantino is here. Well, that's good. That's good. I've seen Manny. That's all good, too. That's Perhaps the spirit a- world knew that Manny wasn't going to call. So Rico's mm-hmm. doing a run-in. <laughs> I'm doing a run-in. You're doing a run-in. There you go. I was, so give I was us a little there. insight onto who Wahoo McDaniel was as a person. What kind of guy was he? Who he was as a person. Um, he was very kind-hearted. He would give you, and I'll tell you, this will fit right in with the story. In the AWA, the first time I ever met Hulk Hogan, he said, Ms. McDaniel, it's very nice to meet you. This would have been 82 or something like that. He said, I've always heard that your husband would give you the shirt off his back. Wahoo said, yeah, I'm running out of shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but he would. I mean, if you needed anything, and I love Sundays. Sundays at my house is where we cooked. Me and him cooked, and all the guys came over. The, you know, especially the single guys came over and watched football if they were off. You know, later in years when he wasn't working all the time. I mean, he was that kind of guy. He loved to cook. He liked to cook. Well, I could see him and Mama cooking, and him and his mother cooking, and he liked. You know, Karen, food. I was going to ask it. you about that because I heard a story that that Wahoo. Were it not for Wahoo McDaniel, just about 90% of the NWA roster would have starved to death. Well, that's probably right. So they they tell me that Wahoo was responsible for feeding pretty much everybody. Well, that was pretty much probably right. Now, he said it out with Jimmy Crockett that I did, I catered the food to the TV on Wednesdays. I, I made 
and Valentine Greg would be standing there waiting to get the deviled eggs as soon as I showed up. You know, I'm a good old Southern girl. I can cook anything. But I'd have all kind of, you know, things I could make sandwiches, deviled eggs and chicken salad and all that. And I catered the food. And Crockett paid me a little check, too. But he kept me busy. Wahoo knew that I need, probably was young and he needed to keep me busy. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Karen, give me a heads up into what it was like for Wahoo to get angry out in public. Angry? I heard a, a particular story. Uh, you guys were in a bar in Atlanta. And I heard that Wahoo took offense to wrestling being called fake. Oh. By... By some, you know, drunkard in the bar, and how Wahoo basically cleared out the bar himself. You remember that story? Oh. Or I, I may oh, have the de- I may have the details wrong, but the gist of it was that he single-handedly cleared out this bar. Well, my son Zach did that not too long ago too. So let me say. <laughs> Friends <laughs> um, of the family. Doesn't fall far from the tree, that's for sure. No, no. And the thing about it's usually in protection of themselves. I mean, you know, people would pick a fight. They would. They wanted to. Um, there was. I was not there this particular night, but I do know that this happened at 2001. Um, Flair and some other guy. Beth was there. His wife had gotten into some type of problem, and Flair had slapped the guy or the guy, whatever, and his ring had gone down on the floor. Well, I think they actually were wrestling each other at the same time. But the guy jumped on Flair's back, and Wahoo just snatched him off and nailed, waffled the guy, nailed him. Mm-hmm. And um, so we go to court. Here we go to court. All the time go to court. Well, they always found them guilty of using excessive force. That's what they would say, guilty of using excessive force. And uh, long story short, they found the ring or whatever. There was one incident at Bennington's I might have talked to you about there where this woman had come over there with her food and sat on, well, Wahoo had sat down with his food, and it was one of those game tables where you could play, play I don't know, Pac-Man or something. And she said, you can't sit there. there. He said, I just want to eat my food, ma'am. And she kept on, and she kept on, and he she tugged at his plate, and he wow. tugged it back, and she tugged it again, and he let it go, and it went all over. Well, she sued us. <laughs> she sued us because he burned her when the plate went all over it. Again, using excessive force. I don't know how let go of a plate was that way. But then they would come back and they'd try to civil sue you, you know. And yeah. um, everything was in my name. So, he, you know, we did it that way. And I think almost everybody did it that way because I saw that happen to Mulligan one time in Raleigh. I mean, a guy took it back then when you took your liquor bottle to in North Carolina and you get set up, they didn't have yeah. liquor by the drink. You took your liquor bottle and you checked your liquor bottle in. They would set you up with seven up and your number 73, whatever your liquor was. Well, the guy was leaving and he broke the bottle and held it at Mulligan. Like he was going to cut him up. And Mulligan just kind of picked him up and hit him. And Mulligan walked kind of out the door and he turned around and he looked back at the guy and said, you know, if I'm going to get sued, I'm going to get my money's worth. And he went back and nailed him again. <laughs> and I kind of don't blame him, you know. Sure. So, well, being a former law enforcement officer, it's, it's kind of like the guy who declares himself as a black belt. 
and he does one or two moves I, and I, defends I, I himself. I that. I'm so sorry. Okay. I, me being a prior law enforcement officer, it, it's yeah. kind of oh, like okay, okay. when somebody before a fight declares himself or somebody finds out, like the lawyers, that they're trained in martial arts, like a black belt or MMA now. All of a sudden, yeah. they're lethal weapons, and the defense right. attorneys for these scumbags go after we'll go this person's that. training, and they use that yeah. against an innocent person, which I think is bullshit. And just because a guy is a professional wrestler, especially back in Wahoo's days, they didn't know it was kayfabe. They didn't know it was choreographed. So they considered people like Wahoo... And all those guys, lethal weapons, because you were trained as a wrestler. You're trained yeah. as a boxer. You're trained yeah. as a martial artist. You know, so they, the defense attorneys saw that and they went with that. So I believe that's why all those people got put in the position they got put into. And that's why they started using like LLCs and stuff like that, that they can defunct mm -hmm. if somebody went... To, to go and sue them for everything in their basket. And that's why they put things in your names, like the homes. But now we have homestead. Even officers have homestead. So if they get civilly sued, you know, after the criminal charges, yeah. whether you're found guilty or not, they're sure. still going to come at you civilly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, example, O.J. Simpson. Criminally exonerated, civilly screwed. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So that's why they developed the homestead things. They can't take your home. But back then, Wahoo days, you're considered a lethal weapon because you were trained. Yeah. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think yeah, that's... I do. I do. I do. Darren, we have, uh, we have questions from, uh, from the panel. We're going to go around. Uh, Mike Messier, go ahead. You're first. Uh well, well, Karen, it's 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 really just a quick uh, comment, uh, but just so you know, a former pro wrestler named Bobby Blaze uh, does a video series on YouTube, and I'm one of a his lot of trouble, Angela, hearing what he he's saying. I can, can, hear, can you hear you me clearly. I don't can know you, whether. Can you hear me better, uh, Karen? Hello, Angela. Angela, I'll just make it quick. I'll just make it quick, and you can move on. Uh, so yeah, basically. Mike. If people on YouTube want to see a great retrospective of Wahoo's in-ring career, look up Bobby Blaze on YouTube. He's got a list of the 10 best wrestlers that should have won a world singles championship. And number one on that list is our friend Wahoo McDaniel. And this uh, about seven or 10 minute video presentation has got great clips of Wahoo versus Bruiser Brody, Abdul the Butcher, Ric Flair, promo work from the Mid-Atlantic days, chopping Ron right. Garvin. Uh, so, so Karen, I just want to say, you can tell her I said thanks. Uh, great interview. Great uh, custom design on all the robes for Flair and Tully. And uh, thanks a lot, Angelo. It's been a great uh, show here. And thanks to Rico, our special guest. Thank you, Mike. Angelo. Did you hear that, Karen? Can you kind of tell me what he's saying because I can barely hear him. Absolutely. There is a, uh, a video retrospective done by uh, a gentleman named Bobby Blaze on YouTube where he features Wahoo prominently, uh, and it's, it singles out the 10 wrestlers who should have won a singles world title and did not, Wahoo being one of them. One, he also one. wants to say thank you 
for the uh, opportunity to speak to you, and uh, good job on uh, all the custom road work. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you very much. I, I love doing that. Um, I had a young wrestler contact me a few years ago, and I made him four or five roads. His name was Matt Rivera, but I, I, don't, I never have seen him again. I don't know whether he got out of the business. But I made him four or five really pretty robes that I was very proud of. And uh, <clears throat> but you know you gotta have money to get me. Sure. <laughs> Next question it's comes very... from Baron von Kelleher. You know I'll, I'll just I'm say sorry. I'll just say this, uh, Ms. McDaniel. It's been a real pleasure getting to yeah. uh, speak with you tonight and to hear the stories. Um, I really do appreciate you coming on, and uh, I look forward to part two. Well, I do too. I do too, and I I really had a lot of problem with audio. I don't think it's um, I'm I've stepped outside now just to see if there's a possibility that I can hear you all. I can hear Angelo really well, so yeah. I look forward to it too. Well, I have a lot of things I, I have. An I appreciate it, on, Karen. So. Well, we have. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, another question from Mike Armageddon Murphy. Okay. Hey, Karen. Hey. Hey. Uh, just uh, not so much a question, but uh, what I used to like about watching Wahoo was, um, and it was said earlier, uh, you know, what you see is what you get. Yeah. Um, it, I, I, he, he never cut real long uh flourishy promos he basically told you we're gonna get in the ring i'm gonna kick your ass and that's pretty much gonna be the end of it your best interviewer the you know the, the he always said i'm gonna tell you right now i'm gonna hear him say that right in my ears right now i'm gonna tell you right now and uh and he pretty much just said what you know what he was going to do, and that was it. And that's true. Yeah. So I'm, tr I'm to be honest with you, what you saw is is definitely what you he was. I mean, that's just the way he was. He didn't take anything off of anybody, but he didn't intentionally ever try to hurt a soul. You know what I mean? Um, he stood yeah. up for the boys. He was stood up for the boys to the point it cost him a job. That's where uh, him and his opponent actually had some heat, and they decided, well, you know. We're just going to shoot right here and right now. Yeah. Have you ever had that moment with Wahoo uh, where he, uh, where a work turned into a shoot with him? Who, me and him? No, <laughs> with Wahoo and, and a, an opponent. Where, where, I don't think anybody ever did that to him. They'd be too scared. Yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna say Maybe if they're smart, they probably didn't. I second that. Right. <laughs> exactly, hey, this Rico. Summer, you'll love this. This summer, when uh, when Barbara and I were up there, um, uh, Greg Gagne was there, and I hadn't seen Greg Gagne since Zach was born. And uh, I said, "You are like overly friendly. I have never seen you act like this." He was real, you know, real friendly, friendly. And and gone and uh, Barbara was sitting there, and so was another. He said, "Karen, did nobody ever want to talk to you? We were all scared to death of water." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so cute, the way he did. Well, Karen, I want to thank you for uh, 
for part one. We will definitely have okay. you back in one week for part two. Okay, in one week on Tuesday evening, same time, same bat station. Uh, I will give you all the details, but it looks like yes. Okay. So okay, I'm going to let you go now. I want to okay, say thank you for joining us. So um, thank you for we, asking me to talk with you. I, I love oh, to talk. We, about we're just getting now. started. I, I knew from the beginning. Okay. I knew from the beginning it was going to be a two-parter. Go ahead, Rico. I just want to say that even though I stumbled in here like the Three Stooges, <laughs> yeah, I have been so blessed by hearing your stories and listening about Wahoo and the and the days of when it was when it was and when it was as um, can i tell can i tell you all one one more thing about that before you do close me out of here sure yeah. when we when we first married 1981 82 wahoo said some interviewer asked him what is cable tv going to do for wrestling and you know what he said he said it'll make it a household word but it'll kill it for the guys yeah. and they said what do you mean wahoo he said, because you won't have a 20-year career like you have. You'll be so saturated. Be, I mean, he was almost calling prophecy. What, what was exactly. He was doing a yeah. Nostradamus. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what. He was really ahead of his time on that one. Yeah. Not only did it kill it for the guys, but it, kill it, it killed it for the guys' pockets as well because there's yeah. no arena business now. There's no house business. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's the problem. And, and Wahoo you know, problems. you could, hey, a guy would get kind of washed up in Georgia and, and George, the, you know, or Crockett would call uh, uh, and say, hey, you want to take this guy for a while? And I'll take him back in a few years. He's kind of burnt out down here. You can have a 20-year career. I mean, you sure, were yeah. oversaturated with TV. And it was a different yeah. time. I mean, you know, it was just different. Yeah. I, I'm well, sorry. yeah, television talking. killed the territories. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it that's did. what I was getting at. That's what I was getting at. Because even though my career was only seven years, it, it burned bright. Yeah. And yeah. Vince and I Absolutely. didn't get along and Angelo knows that story. But oh yeah. It was just it was just great to hear about back then and how it was, how the boys were, how the wives were, how history, you know, because I got into it because I love the business, not because yeah. of television, or, but I was always a fan way back with Rocky Johnson, you know, way back, you know, the yeah. sheet when he stubbed, when he had that fake boot and he used to tap it and kick people in yeah. the head. You know, I was big time wrestling, AWA, you, Ver, you know, Ver you it, I've been, I've been a fan ever since. And to, for me to be a part of it, in the latter days to hear about yeah. the original days, the history of it was just yeah. so enlightening. And I just appreciate you talking about chief and, and, and giving your, your, your insight. And it's we just, absolutely second that. Thank you. Rico. Yeah. Karen, thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. Yes. We appreciate oh, you. you so and, much. and I will talk to you tomorrow, young lady. Okay, okay. I appreciate it, too. Thank you again. I can't you're, wait to talk to you some welcome. more. Good night, Have a kiddo. great night, guys. Thank Good you. Good night, Miss McDaniel. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Wow. That was a great, 
great conversation. I, I'm sorry I busted in, guys. I, I was just trying to talk to you, Angelo. Did the oh, Rico, look, everything happens for a reason. We were ha- actually supposed to have Manny Fernandez call in tonight. Well, he did. And- he did, but I couldn't get it connected. Oh. I, and what? then we, I was, I was like sending him text messages, but he what he was he tried calling my phone number, not my Skype number. Oh man, Rico. One, one thing I wanted to share with you. Yes, sir. When you were talking about you know smartening up your kids and all, uh, I was. Uh, it was after my uh, divorce. I was dating a lady, and a uh, nice young lady, and. I was doing a show in Chestnut Hill, Pennsylvania, and uh, I forget who I was working that night, but it was a, it basically was a bloody match. And as I, after, I, I just get done taking a face bump and I'm busted open and I look out under the rope and she's sitting there staring at me with this horrified look on her face. Well, after the match, I tell one of the security guys to go out and bring her back. And I'm back there, and I'm wiping off the blood, and, you know, Doc's looking at him, making sure the cut's not too deep or anything, and they're patching me up. And she comes back, and she just looks at me, doesn't say a word. And I said, look, honey, it's okay, don't worry about it. She goes, oh, we'll talk in the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Turns and walks out. <laughs> I'm sitting there with my boots hanging off unlaced, and the doctor looks at me. He goes, "You want me to write you a note?" <laughs> <laughs> I'd have taken the note. Uh, oh, yeah, right. thank you. Nice and correct. Okay. Okay. I got Let me tell get you something. Rico, get your aquariums note. are over, brother. Oh, <laughs> I got three of them. I've got uh, Amazon cichlids, I've got a dinosaur biker fish, and then I've got African cichlids in the smaller one. Now I, I'm, I'm a fish hobbyist because it keeps me busy, and I, and I, you know, and they're peaceful at night because all I do is roll over on the bed, and I watch them instead of TV, and go. it puts me right to sleep. Wow. Rico, let, let, me, uh, let me give you the benefit, Rico, of introducing you to this motley crew. Oh. Please. I'll because bust I, your I, head I right now. The gentleman who just told you that horrifying story is uh, Mike Murphy, also known as Armageddon. Hello, Armageddon. How you doing? I was, a, I was an indie circuit wrestler. Like you, I started my career when I was 30. And, uh, yeah, I, I, the last, last match I did was uh, about three, four years ago. Uh, against the uh, late great Nikolai Volkov, oh. uh, who, who was de- dearly, dearly missed. Uh, I trained yeah. up at the Wild Samoans, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, never, never made it to your level. I was hopeful, but I just I knew Vince would Vince would look at me and go, no. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I know the feeling. Dory and his wife did the same to me, Angelo. Can tell tell a story. Oh yeah. Uh, and the only reason why I think I got a shot is because Cornette, Danny Davis, Stone Cold, and Jr. said, "Give this kid a shot." Cornette thought I was twenty five. Yeah. I was yeah. thirty eight and a half. Mike, so, 
I know where you're coming from. Uh-huh. Mike Messier. He's got a picture I can't you're, you're see. You're going it. to have to unboard your focus camera, that. brother. Yeah, it's uh, here we go. This is a photograph of uh, Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. Oh my goodness! The national oh, wow. anthem. Wow. Well, so this is. Uh, let me introduce you to the to the man to your left over here. This is Mike Messier. He's the go. gentleman I told you about. He is a filmmaker, actor, producer, director, documentarian. We Mike, spoke. I would like you to officially meet Rico Constantino, the gentleman I told you about. Hi, Rico. I just want to say, Rico, real quick, you look so good. Good to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I grew a beard because of the quarantine. Well, I, I, I got to say, Rico, uh, I was informed that you've gone vegan. And yep. uh, and and uh, it looks like it's doing well for you because you kind of look younger now than you did 15 years ago on SmackDown. Well, I tell you what, uh, um, for being sick three years, almost dying twice. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I'd love to talk to you about the vegan lifestyle at some point, because I I did pescatarian for about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And it's it's been I lost a lot of weight at that time. And unfortunately for me, I started eating meat again and, and got some of the weight back. And so I, uh, I have a self-effacing joke that says I, I lost 40 pounds and I got 39 of them back. But yeah. uh, <laughs> Actually, believe me, it, it's if you watch the five videos that I watch, like I've told Angelo, if you watch them in the order I tell you, you're going to have no problem deciding for yourself. Now, me... I had to do a 180 or else I was going to be six feet under. Yeah. Now, there's been people that have told Angelo that have only done partial of what I've done and they have seen tremendous results already. Yeah. So it, it, you can go semi-vegan and stuff like that and still see good results. But like I said, we could talk at a later date and if you need this information... I have it, and Angelo can give you my number, and we'll talk. And I can tell you, yeah. you know, to watch two videos right away. They're on YouTube. They're free. Early. And yeah. after those two videos, you you talk to me. You call me and tell me what you think, and then I can help you from then on. That's what yeah. that gentleman did for me back January 2019 when I was 272 pounds, 252 wow cholesterol, fatty tissue on the liver, plaque in my arteries, pre-diabetic with blood clots. Four months later, cholesterol 104, weight 204, no more fatty tissue on the liver, plaque in the arteries gone, and the two blood clots in my legs, gone. Wow. Okay. It's it's funny you bring it up, uh, because I was... I was going to come out with a diet uh, for people to help people out. Uh, I called it the New York diet. Uh-oh. Here we go. New York I'm diet. Ready. Look at the guy and he goes, stop eating, you fat bastard. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I was waiting for the rim shot. I was, I was waiting for hot dogs and pretzels to be in there. Well, really? well, you know what? I did eat a couple of New York hot dogs when I was at MSG. And i tell you what, I loved them, but... Like I said, with Mr. Messier. Yes. Have Ange- get get the number from Angelo. Get my number. Feel free to call me. We'll talk about it. And like I said, any it, it, 
is not perfection. It's progress there with anything go. in life. Progress. If you Absolutely. move a little bit in the direction, like my, my first promoter did, Jesse Hernandez, and I've told Angelo this story. He's a diabetic, type one, can't cure it. Right. He changed his breakfast routine. He cut out a lot of red meat. Now he's a Mexican, so he's going to have his beans, his flour tortillas. He's going to have all that, carne asada. But he changed his morning routine. Fresh juice, fresh juice, oatmeal, okay? And he, and he cut out a lot of red meat, not all of it, but cut it out. Now, I don't know what the units are that a normal diabetic takes. So let's say he's taking 30 units. Well, within 30 days, he was cut in half. He was only taking 15 units, okay? And you cannot cure type 1 diabetes. So he just changed one meal, wow. and he got the results. I had yeah. a lady at the DMV where I'm working had migraines. She was on keto diet and all this other stuff. I said, try this. Watch these two videos. Within 10 days, she doesn't have migraines now. Yeah. 10 days. Okay, so with that being said, when you want, please call me, and I'll give you everything I do. Like I told Angelo, I have all this on video. I, well, I videoed myself every day, one to three times a day, through the 60 days of total juice diet. Yeah. I lost Rico. 68 pounds in 60 days. Wow. 68 yeah. in 60 days. January awesome. 10th to March 12th. Wow. The reason why it's March yeah. 12th is because February of last year went to 20, you know, lost two days. Right. But I did the true 60 days. So, yeah. if I can do it, believe me, anybody can do this because I'm nobody special. Well, Rico, I'll tell you, Mike Messier is the guy that I actually told you about. Yeah. That, uh, that will take that footage you have and put it together. Uh, and I actually just gave him your number. Please so he has it now. I'll give you all the raw footage. I don't know well, how many hours it is, but it's a day-by-day -day thing. I was on a CPAP machine. Oh, boy, yeah. I was stopped breathing 15 to 18 times an hour. Yeah. I would stop yeah. the breathing. I'm not on CPAP no more. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, and like I said, when you watch these first two videos on YouTube, You'll understand why. It's not me. Yeah. It, it, it's not me. It's it's what you do to help you. You help your body cure itself so it can cure you. And I hate to sound like an infomercial, but that's it. We are prohibiting our bodies mm -hmm. from curing ourselves. Right. Because oh, that's the way God made us. Enemies. Huh? We're always our own worst enemies. We are. But if, if you realize that and put it here and yeah. just substitute some things, like I said, you don't have to do a 180 like I did. Right, I had right. to or else I was going to die. Yeah. yeah. But if you do some of it, you're going to get rid of some of the things oh, you're sure. ailing. Sure. You're going to perfect your body. Okay. Now, the, now this I want to meet this gentleman. Okay. Now... The other Mike of our trio uh, of <laughs> Merry Misfits. <laughs> I love these Mary, guys. Mary they, are, Mike's. they are a motley crew. This is uh, Mike Kelleher. He wants Hello. to be known now as Baron Von Kelleher. 
Hello, Mary <laughs> Von Keller. Yeah, I see it. Mike is actually a national television star. Oh. Uh, and he stars on a show called Legacy List with Matt Paxson. Okay. And Mike, why don't you, uh, first of all, meet Rico Constantino. It is a pleasure to meet you, Rico. And tell Rico uh, about the Legacy List with Matt Paxson. Um, it's a show, the, the way I describe it to folks is um, we basically help a family through a transition. Like maybe the parents are empty nesters. The kids have grown up and moved out of the house. Now they need to downsize or maybe uh, move into a senior community. Or maybe there's a family dealing with an estate. Uh, but basically, we're helping a family through a transition, and we go into their house, and we tell the family's story through the items we find in their house. And um, so it's it's pretty cool. It's like um, finding, like, the, the show's called Legacy List because we actually come up with a list of the most important items for the family. And mm -hmm. some of the items will be just sitting there or on the wall, and they'll say, yeah, that's that's been passed down, but I don't really know anything about it. And then other times, it's like grandma's wedding ring is somewhere in this house, and we've got three days to find it before we uh, we have to be out because we sold the house. Mm -hmm. And um, the whole thing is, um, and none of that's manufactured. That's real deal stuff. Right. Um, yeah. right. But we we find out the history of the items, and then we we relate it to the uh, family's story. So okay. The well, other thing, Rico, is that um, Mike joins us by way of Jeff the Ref. He was Jeff the, the Mike the Kelleher, Baron Von oh, okay, Keller. Okay, you got yeah, Mike Messier, right? Uh, he, he was uh, Jeff the Ref's childhood friend. Oh, my God. And had absolutely no interest or desire to know anything about wrestling. But five minutes with the Ref changed his life. Well, I tell you what, I, I, so, I was so blessed to even meet Jeff the Ref for the three times that we met. I, I, I am so blessed that I got to say I got to interview with the guy. He, he was so yeah. genuine, knowledgeable, and compassionate, and told you, he told me about, more about my character than I knew sometimes. Exactly. I was that's like, why, boy. that's why I always refer to him as the Encyclopedia Britannica of uh, pro wrestling. He understood so, each character. He, he brought up matches when I first met. He brought up a couple matches that I didn't even remember. <laughs> I was only yeah. in the indie circuit. And I'm just like, you know, how old are you, kid? You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's not. And uh, it's been with and, us for and, a while and he's totally ruined. <laughs> and uh, and and Rico, uh, Mike is actually continuing with uh, Jeff's program, the Refs Roundtable. Roundtable, Ref Roundtable, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, so and I and I I made a promise that Jeff would always be a part of this show, and he always will. And uh, that's his, if you to use that word, legacy. His legacy yeah. is the Refs Roundtable, and Mike is the host of that show. Well, Mike, just as a, a suggestion, in case you want my input on, on your show, and you should want my input because I'm your boss. Um, <gasps> oh, can I get it? Might be a, it might be a nice idea to invite Rico onto the ref's roundtable sometime. 
Well, boss, if you'd let me get a word in edgewise, as is... Uh, oh, go ahead. Don't let me stop you. <laughs> I was going to ask if Rico wanted to consider coming on. <laughs> it would be my honor. Awesome. Okay. Um, with the schedule now and with this COVID-19 thing, uh, thank God I'm working. Uh, I will say that. And um, had to take a $4 cut an hour and pay, but I'm still working. So I'm working Friday. I got to work 40 hours in three days. Wow. So it's Friday, yeah. Friday, 16 hours, Saturday, 16 hours, and then Sunday, eight. So I got my 40 yeah. in three days. But, and then I kind of, Monday, I kind of just try to yeah, recoup. Yeah. But yeah, well, I'll Tuesday, tell you what, Wednesday, this Thursday, I'm good right now. Okay. This, this household has been extraordinarily blessed because, uh, you know, uh, my sister-in-law is a, is a nurse. Her oh. husband is an EMT firefighter. My oh. wife works uh, at an essential job because she works for the uh, government housing. Uh, and I sit here and talk to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's tougher, talking to us? <laughs> I know. Or being an essential or worker. Or doing the COVID. <laughs> Mike Messier, what do you got coming up with? By the way, Rico, if you ever get a chance to check out Mike Messier's films, I want to recommend on Vimeo, uh, there's a great film that Mike has. Uh, there's two of them I want to recommend to you. One is called um, Disregard the Vampire, which is a great movie. The other one is called, now get me right, Mike, what this is called. Ace Sugar, what, what's it called? Oh, Blood Sugar Sid Ace. Uh, Blood Sugar Sid, S-I-D-A-C-E. And you can see the whole film, thanks, Angelo, on bloodsugarsidace.com. The whole film is up there for free. We've got some great uh, photographs of the cast. Basically, I was in a position real quick about that movie. Um, I, had, I, I got hit by a drunk driver, is this story. Oh, no. And when I got hit, when I got hit by the drunk driver, being an independent filmmaker, the first thought I had was, "Am I okay?" The second thought was, "Well, gee whiz, maybe I'll have enough of a settlement to make a film." So uh, <laughs> I started making the movie, uh, started writing the movie about two or three months after the accident. Wrote a script that I could produce with four actors in one location. The next summer, we were filming the movie, and after that, we were editing it. And it came out to be a 74-minute movie that people can see on bloodsugarsidace.com for free. And uh, it's a really cool movie. One of the actresses went on to be in a movie called Manchester by the Sea with Casey Affleck that I think uh, won some awards. So uh, you're hearing about Ca Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, Angelo, the actress, yeah. Angelo, could you please text those to me so I don't get them... Absolutely. Sure. I've been hit the head too many times with chairs. I hear you, brother. <laughs> okay. Yes. Hey, yep. Is that a uh, nod to the Red Hot Chili Peppers album, Blood Sugar Sex Magic? Yeah, it actually was, to tell you the truth, because that was one of the most uh, influential albums when I was coming up as a kid. And uh, as a matter of fact, a friend of mine here in Jacksonville, Florida, recently featured the artwork of Chad Smith at their art gallery. Chad Smith, ah. the drummer of Chad Smith, the drummer of the Chili Peppers, now um, does art with his drums, believe it or not. He goes into a room with his drum kit. 
and, and yeah. smashes the paint into artwork. So it's pretty yep. fascinating stuff. There you go. I've heard about that type of art. Uh, yeah. Murphy. Would yes, you sir. be uh, kind enough to give uh, Rico my number? Because uh, I'd, I'd love to sit down. Being two retired wrestlers, I mean, you know, like I said, you made it to the wrestlers show. never retire. No, <laughs> but I'd, I'd love to sit down. I just you know, keep telling him that Rico, he doesn't listen to me. Time. Wrestlers I'm, never. What are you going to learn, Murph? Wrestlers never retire. No, they're always don't let wrestlers retire. <laughs> always semi-retired. Always semi-retired. We can always come back. There could always that, be a comeback. Never let wrestlers retire. Yeah. <laughs> Angelo, Angelo, for me, please give these gentlemen my number. And yes, gentlemen, uh, anytime you'd like, please feel free to call me. I would love just to chat with you. I yep. mean, it was a pleasure uh, talking to you. Oh, my gosh. It was a blessing in disguise. <laughs> I expected just to talk to Angelo and see how he's doing. And all of a sudden, I bust into an interview. You got the whole party. I, 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 Look, I know. It ha everything happens for a reason, brother. I, you know, I believe that. Wow. Everything just, happens well, for a reason. It was great seeing y'all, Rico. What, can't wait to hear from you. Y'all yep. have a good night. Good night. All right, Murph. Night. All right, you guys. Well, it's been a great night. This is part one of Karen McDaniel. Karen will be back next week. And so will this motley crew of misfits. Okay. If On I don't behalf of back. Wrestling with the Future, if I don't good night, everybody. Back. We'll see you next time. Happy wrestling. Happy Love wrestling. It.